Saturday night, and you have better things to do than watch me um, yell at my computer screen from the basement, right? <laughs> I'm here. This better be good. Thanks, man. That's great. It's not good. It's never good. I don't even know why you guys show up. You know what's funny? Um, and this is just off the cuff, but Oh, I can repost someone's meme and it'll go through almost 13,000 pages uh, on Facebook. Um, something ridiculous like that. And, um, you know, that's great. And it brings traction to the page and it's fun. But I'll post something serious like uh, what the UCP is doing in Alberta to basically crush um, candidates from rising up and taking over the leadership position of the UCP. Um, I'll post something important about that, and it will get literally no views. And uh, I don't know if that's Facebook's algorithms or or just mm, a lack of interest in specifically localized things, right? But Phoebe, thank you for saying hi. Thank you for saying you're happy to be here with me. Uh, what is going on here? Where is my, oh, there it is. So what a weird thing this is. Um, I put my little donation screen back up. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're going to look at that. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to look at that later, but why does it disappear? Lighting it. I'm just trying to figure out something with my <clears throat> my home screen. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So when I'm spotlighting myself, covers that stuff up. Basically, I've refreshed my donation goal, guys. If you feel like you ever want to support whatever it is that you're seeing here, um, you know, maybe I could raise enough money to pay for the 1080p subscription, and then it would be high def. I could live stream in high def. That would be awesome. That would be the first thing that I would do, I think. If I could, I don't, I can't remember how much it is monthly, but if I could pay for that monthly for a year, wow, that would be, that would be really awesome. But anyway, guys, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's Saturday, not Thursday. So <clears throat> there's a lot to cover. But the first thing I'm going to deal with is actually what my friend Cliff posted on the Stuff Kenny Said page. And that's not it. It's this one instead. So we're going to just basically, we're just looking through his Facebook page, but, um, two things. So do you understand what's going on in Canada or in Alberta with the UCP leadership race? I have heard it from men. We're going to look at Drew Barnes here, who was removed from the UCP. Uh, what is it last year? And um, we're just going to hear what he has to say on the subject of how much they've made it so that you can run as leader. It costs $175,000. Not all of that is upfront, but it needs to be raised very fast once you commit by giving the initial amount, which I believe is 100000 of that, something like that. <clears throat> then you have to raise the other seventy five or whatever it is very quickly after that. So he's going to just give us a little 40-second uh, his 40-second thoughts on the issue, and I'll, I'll rewind it here. I have heard it from members that, again, they feel the UCP executive did not listen to the membership at large. It smacks of yet another thinly veiled, veiled attempt by the party's establishment to stack the deck in favor of the same old insiders. It reopens the door to big money in politics, a door that most Albertans want closed and permanently locked. Worst of all, it gives the NDP yet another avenue to attack Conservatives in the general election race, set for next spring, that, by the way, 
the NDP is already winning. So that is the context of what he's talking about. Uh, he says here, look, oh, get out of there. He says, let me be blunt, requiring at least $175,000 in entry fees is completely out of step with every previous UCP, Wildrose, and PC a leadership contest over the past 30 years. It reopens the door to big money in politics, a door that most Albertans want closed and locked. And so another good point that he brought up is that this gives the NDP ammo to make conservatives look bad. And honestly, if the NDP were in right now, and if you're American uh, listening to this, uh, for reference, the NDP is like um, the squad of the Democrats, but it's an entire party of the squad. So as I've said before, um, if the NDP were 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 in office right now, if they were the government, uh, I feel like they would have been being opposed much harder than than the UCP was. So another just generic UCP milk toast conservative globalist government is not going to cut it anyway. So we can't have that happening in this province. And that's what this is talking about. So um um so why why I guess the issue is why is it $175,000? Well, there've been people talking behind the scenes and trying to figure out why that would be. And basically cliff came up with this. Uh, and I don't know if you'll be able to see, yeah, that's really small for you guys, but I'll read it. And it says this, the UCP strategy, uh, is to thin, out fundraising options for non-UCP candidates, eliminating them from the ballot before they can compete, complete their fundraising fees. Sorry, what I meant to say is this is like an infographic made by Cliff at Stuff Kenny Said. By the way, go like that page. Um, it's not just about Jason Kenny. He uses it as an Alberta, kind of like an Alberta uh, Facebook posting page where he makes infographics like this all the time anyway <clears throat> by adding so many of their choices that communities are spoiled for choice that's how that's how this is going to do what it says they're going to do community groups like-minded individuals and families who don't work together toward a unified fundraising goal for one independent or underdog candidate will have spent their money on too many different candidates. For example, five to 500, which one candidate uh, raises from one to five individuals removes that same cash from going into another similar candidate's pocket. All of the independent underdog candidates need to meet and come up with a plan for cooperation ASAP. So that's obviously his opinion. Uh, I would agree with that. That's the point. All these underdogs, and if you don't know what's going on in the Alberta leadership race, there are, or the UCP leadership race, there's 10 candidates right now, something like that. It might be even more. And so basically, all the money that they need to raise from their um, uh, supporters is just going to be spread too thin. So anyway, Cliff goes on. This is the time for unity, not opportunism or wow, vainglorious, vainglorious dreams of becoming Alberta's savior. We've had that since 2019. Some people need to drop out and push funds toward one specific candidate that they all support, but that candidate needs to have a proven track record and history UCP MLAs who are not part of Kenny's inner circle or sky palace crew and whom the party has uh, Pinky promised a fair shot. You need to understand you're being used. The party will pressure non-inner circle candidates to drop out and push funds and potential votes to their chosen one. Probably Taze, who is kind of like Jason Kenny's right-hand man. I mean, I don't know. He's got a couple of those, I guess. But Travis Taze, I think his name is... 
he's he would be uh, very close to Jason Kenny. So that's definitely who the UCP uh, inner circle people would want to uh, take that leadership spot. Uh, and then he goes on. This is the last chance for UCP MLAs to put some iron in their spine to resist elitism and to serve their constituents. You need to support whoever the right person for the job is. Not play the UCP games or hope you'll get your big break. Don't let flattery and social bribery distract or blind you from reality. So, I think that that is a pretty... Oh yeah, it's pronounced twos. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's spelt toes, T-O-E-W-S, but I've heard it tays, but twos makes sense too. Twos. Anyway, I'm not going to get hung up on the pronunciation of his name. You've heard how I pronounce other things, right? So it is what it is. Anyway, guys, um, that is, uh, where is that one? Let's check that one out. Ooh, and we're going to close that one. All my stuff is uh, scrambled. So that's why I'm kind of bouncing around right now. But anyway, guys, if you uh, want to buy a UCP membership, personally, right now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm putting my weight uh, behind Todd Lowen, uh, because he actually had the guts to say what needed to be said and be kicked out of the UCP. So that is who I want. Now, some people would want to lean towards Danielle Smith. And what I've heard is, well, Danielle Smith really grilled Jason Kenny on her radio show and really put him on the spot when it came to arresting, uh, James Coates and how crazy that was. Um, but I don't trust her, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a little bit of a, based on like specific things that I know, and I've talked about this openly before, but basically, uh, last year, I think it was in the summer, I saw an event for the MP in my area, that's Member of Parliament, Dane Lloyd. Now, he's a conservative. Uh, he usually wins by thousands and thousands of votes, because we're in an ultra uh, CPC centered area so he is going to win every time um he really is in a really really safe spot but anyway dane lloyd uh, was involved uh specifically with calling up my pastor and berating him while he was in prison trying to guilt him into signing his release papers and what i saw was an event for dane lloyd last summer or you know maybe september uh with special guest Danielle Smith hosting it. Now, one could argue maybe she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know that he did that. Uh, but it would it would be hard to believe, in my opinion, um, that if she's putting her full endorsement uh, behind Dane to go support him at, at a dinner... Um, then she probably knows what he's about and what his thoughts are on very specific issues. So Phoebe's bringing up, so Phoebe's clearly from Alberta as well. Phoebe's bringing up in the comments after her performance with the wild rose jumping ship and letting NDP win. I have no use for her. And I understand that. Now I will play devil's advocate with you, Phoebe, People can change over time, right? So we can't discredit that. But I don't like that there's still some ambiguity there. I don't trust it. I don't trust her. Um, you could argue that because the UCP is running under this alleged big tent conservatism, that was the big talking point from Kenny while he was uh, running for election, uh, that you know, this big tent conservatism stuff that that would make more sense for her. She didn't like that. Um, she was on the, uh, farther right of the conservative parties. And now that it's a big mix, she might be really, uh, that might, that's probably way more in line with where she's at, uh, politically, but I still don't trust her. Um, we need to have someone in there 
who we know is willing to oppose the narrative, oppose the system. And quite frankly, I really don't believe that she's up for that job. I don't, I don't, I just don't trust her. Um, you know, there's other candidates like Brian Jean who uh, lost his leadership uh, spot <clears throat> in the merger between the Wild Rose <clears throat> and the Progressive Conservative Party. And I really, um, you know, I'm not really sure what I be- what I believe about him either. You know, um, do I think he was would have been better than Jason Kenny at this point? I, I I will never know for sure, but I, I I lean that way. I don't have I don't have tons to base that on. But anyway, uh, I'm going to move on to um, more international, broader, national topics. And, of course, we're talking about the old C-19 again because you just, we can't escape it. It, it. That's They still have to talk about it. That is not the one. I will cycle through these articles. Nope, nope, nope. <clears throat> okay, so guys. In the U.S., children as young as six months are going to be eligible for the cookie shots in the U.S. And vaccinations are going to begin on Tuesday. Now, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has signed off on these vaccines for children six months through five years old. And um, doctor's offices can start administering them. However, the vaccinations likely won't begin in earnest until Tuesday after the Juneteenth federal holiday. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on Saturday backed Pfizer's and Moderna's C-19 shots for children as young as six months with vaccinations expected to begin after this holiday. So I just repeated that. My bad. Anyway, guys, um, the CDC's Committee of Independent V-word experts voted unanimously to recommend the shots for infants through preschoolers after two days of public meetings. Now, a senator in the U.S. named Ron Johnson is clearly worried about this, and he interviewed this lady here. It says, FDA official Dr. Peter Marks says a vaccine, or sorry, he didn't interview anybody. Sorry, this lady interviewed a doctor. My bad. Um, FDA official, Dr. Peter Mark says, uh, cookied kids have a fivefold increase of that heart condition that you're not allowed to say out loud. Myo something. Why on earth are they pushing the COVID vaccine on babies? We still don't know the long-term safety profile of these vaccines. And this is a two minute clip. Uh, her audio is very crackly. That's not on my end. That's on, that's on the original audio. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong article still. Uh, If someone could comment really quick, did you guys hear the start of that video? I noticed that sometimes um, if I'm not playing the video, it, uh, it, uh, like if it's not on the screen, the sound won't be there. So let me know if you could hear the start of the video. I'm going to put it back a bit anyway. You have on that? Yes. So, so there are the, the data, the, there are data on uh, the incidence of myocarditis in this age range. Um, and uh, I can pull that out, but um, uh, there, there, this is, this is a known phenomena in the 12 to 17 year old age range. Right. And the, the, the rate that it was seen in uh, uh, in the um, in the 12 to 17 year olds who were vaccinated seemed to be about fivefold higher than the baseline rate um, that we uh, would expect, and that's why this is not a slam dunk. It's not like this is uh, unlike 
the thrombosis. Remember that we we with the J and J vaccine, there was the thrombosis thrombocytopenia syndrome. There, in the absence of getting vaccinated, the chance of having that was vanishingly small, zero basically. So there, anything you saw, you knew was real. Here, it's very challenging when something's only three to five times more uh, common in a vaccinated population. You don't know whether it's just cases that have kind of uh, cases that would have been there that aren't really associated with the vaccine that have come up or how much actually the vaccine has increased that risk. I'm not denying, by the way, I'm, I'm just so that there's no one, I'm not trying to deny that there's some signal here. I'm, I'm just trying to say is the magnitude of this over what we might be seeing nor, you know, as, as baseline summertime uh, uh, viral myocarditis um, is hard to know exactly. So, but just to give you an idea of the order of magnitude, it's, it's we're, we're seeing about fivefold more than you might expect um, if this were in the normal summertime. So, I mean, I definitely, I feel like I have an issue with what he said there. Three to five times the amount, and he's saying it's not a slam dunk. I mean, that seems like a lot, right? Uh, if there were five cases, there are 25 cases right now. If there's 500 cases, uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. If there's 500 cases, normally that means there's 2,500 2,500 cases like seems like a lot to me I don't know I don't know about you guys that was the first time I watched that video all the way to the end so I am kind of shocked that he's uh, it almost sounds like he's downplaying a little but that to me that sounds pretty concerning and I feel like Senator Ron Johnson uh, took that information and he also thinks that it is um alarming now, they are planning on doing this in Canada as well. And, uh, well, here's the video right here. Well, let's take a look. Canada to, expected to finish review of first C-19 shot for youngest kids in weeks. I think they want to go down to newborns. Um, well, let's, let's see what Buddy has to say here. Oh, of course, there's going to be an ad. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm muting it for a second. Uh, so that we are not going to be subjected to the audio of an ad. Um, because we have no idea what it is. And I don't want to listen to it. So, and now here we go. Oh, 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 don't you dare. Where's the sound? There it is. All right. Shift Perzada, good to see you this morning. Good morning. All right, so Canada is seeing an increase in several fast-spreading COVID variants. These variants are seen to be Wait. fueling outbreaks in the U.S. and Europe as well. Thoughts on what this may mean for us here in canada what it shows is that the virus is mutating quickly it's a you know it's amazing this is the first time uh in a while where i've even heard about a new variant i don't i haven't listened to any of this i haven't been able to even i had to go find this article uh i i i, I haven't heard about anything about variants forever at all evolving to beat our immunity and our vaccines and it looks like we're going to be in a world where we have waves every two to three months uh, we had a nice break in the last month. You know, a friend of mine managed to sneak in a wedding where no one got sick. So I hope people enjoyed it. Um, the crazy thing is that immunity from previous infection, even if you got Omicron in January wave or in the last month, um, it may not protect you from this uh, variant because it's different enough that your immunity won't be strong enough for it. Um, you know, and we're seeing, like, you look at countries like Portugal, which got the... Hold on, let me see what he just said there. I gotta hear this. Uh, ...variant because it's different enough that your immunity won't be strong enough for it. Hold I hope on. people enjoyed it. Um, the crazy thing is that immunity from previous infection, even if you got Omicron in January wave or in the last month, um, it may not protect you from this uh, variant because it's different enough that your immunity won't be strong enough. For it. Oh, okay. But what will is um, that same uh, shot that's for the original uh, 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 C-19 from two years ago. That'll... That'll be better. This guy's literally trying to tell you that it, it the that that it mutates to the point uh, where you don't have any natural immunity to it. That's literally what he wants to tell you. Come on, man. Who believes this? Like for it. 
Um, you know, and we're seeing like you look at countries like Portugal, which got the BA5 variant in the last two weeks. That's one of the highest uh, vaccination rates in the world. And you're seeing a spike in hospitalizations there. So that um, that could be a warning for us. You know, hopefully summer weather. First of all, I just want to say hello to Shari. Shari K. York. She uh, are you new? I've never seen you comment before. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate that a lot. Guys, I just want to take a minute. Actually, I need to thank my wife. Uh, she got me the 30-ounce Milwaukee Packout Tumbler. Um, it clicks into the Packout boxes. And if you don't know what that means, I'm not going to explain it. But basically, it's just compatible with my toolbox. So it literally locks into the lid and it doesn't tip over. I went and tried it out in the garage today. It was pretty awesome. Going to lock myself in the house again. Yeah, well, Josh is saying he's going to lock himself in the house again. And I mean... Hopefully he comes out with some serious music if he's locking himself uh, in his house. Uh, we can all we can all we can all hope for that. Um, oh, and he says Milwaukee all day, baby. Yeah, I mean it's funny. Uh, starting my new career as a construction worker, and I always did construction, but it was very different. Uh, I really like my tools now. It's like a thing. It just is. I can't help it. I turned into that guy. I turned into Tim Taylor, like uh, complete with blowing home projects and everything. It's it's wild. That's why I don't attempt them. Anyway, guys, um, guys, I just want to point out. I never did this at the start. Please follow me on Instagram at Bro. Here's the thing, and Twitter at Devastator Forty Eight. Also, um. You know, I don't know how to say this because it sounds shilly and I hate that. But basically, if you go to the description of this video, you will power tools. Yeah, yeah, you guys are hilarious. If you guys go to the link in the description, it'll take you to a Streamlabs link and you can send me donations on PayPal. And the reason I bring that up again is because I didn't forever. But the purpose is, is that. A secondary income done by doing this is pretty awesome for me. Also, I would just say that, um, like, if you invest in me, I will invest more into doing this. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I'm, I, I, I deliberately suck or something. I just, I always put it on the back burner, right? self-ambition fleece in the flock yeah whatever man this guy has a page this guy who said this he has a patreon account where people subscribe to him and send him money so that they can listen to his music first it's also listen that ever it's music that everyone's gonna get to listen to eventually so i know that he's joking so i love him um cassie what thanks cassie i wonder sometimes what happens when you donate on Streamlabs is it will send me a push notification that scares scares me to death. So I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. And Josh says he has fans, though. I think I have more fans than Josh. And I don't even have any like real natural talent that I showcase. So what does that say? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. Um Tell Cassie to sign up for my Patreon. <laughs> uh, Cassie, don't sign up for his Patreon, man. It's it's a scam. Anyway, okay, I can't get distracted. I I appreciate I appreciate the banter in the comment section. It actually, I know that lots of comments actually drives views up. So I really appreciate you guys. I really do. Anyway, guys, donate to Devin because. Mm, well i don't really have a good reason i'll be totally honest with you it's you know i did buy a stack of tracks and i have given some of them out i haven't been dedicated with that but i work six days a week most of the time to support my family so josh is a hoot there you go josh you're a hoot all right so Let's keep listening to this guy. Here, schools being let out now. Mm -hmm. will we'll keep us. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! What's a oh? Was a sub is a sub variant a new term? 
were they just calling them variants before? But now it's like sub sub variants. It's like Omicron splits into three or something. I'm I'm wondering if that's what that means. I'm going that badly, but it means that we have to be cautious. Yeah, you just mentioned two very important things that happened during the summer. Kids, of course, are out of school, and this is a time where a lot of oh. people take their vacations. So, what advice do you have as we head into summer? You know, I think make your life COVID-proof in general. Like, um, what I would do is do most of your social activities outdoors if you can. You know, I've been through, you know, four outdoor birthday parties with screaming kids. No one's gotten sick so far, knock on wood. Um, Great. Use a lot of rapid testing before family gatherings. Oh, uh, wear a mask in indoor spaces that have poor ventilation. Um, like, you know, grocery stores, uh, crowded malls. Yeah, like that. man. And that will keep you, hopefully, totally uh, going to do that. And it's worked for a lot of people. It works. For oh, yeah. It works really uh, good. Take a booster. Take a booster also if you're. Oh, out. yeah. That'll really okay, help. Okay. Well, several vaccine mandates are set to be lifted on Monday, as I just mentioned. And this is for travel. Do you have any concerns? No, because you know, people will still be wearing masks on. Anyway, you get it. It's it's pathetic. But anyway, um. <sighs> They're going to start vaccinating babies in Canada. And it's, uh, oh, okay, sorry. So it's between, sorry, it's not newborns. It's uh, children between six months and five years old. We anticipate a decision in the coming, I would say, week or so. I can't give you a precise date. So that is going to happen in Canada. Uh, that is going to happen. So now the last thing that I want to talk about before I get into anything, um, Josh says that he was sick. He was sick when he watched that, and I agree. It, it makes you want to. It makes you want to puke. Um, so, full disclosure: my kids have no shots coursing through their veins. None, not for anything. And um, I think two of them have had one ear infection apiece ever. I don't know. Uh, the the little one he. He hasn't been around long enough, really. He might get one eventually, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, they basically barely get sick. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Anecdotal, sure, but do what you want. Anyway, um, do what you want with your own kids, I guess. Uh, we're going to move on. So the last thing that I have to show you is this. And when I... Say this is not tied to it directly, but it kind of is. Sorry, this is the last thing that I have a page to look at with you guys. So, Rebel News reports on this. Um, uh, the World Economic Forum, UN, and global elitists have been trying to tell you to eat bugs nicely. Uh, for a long time, and then when people like me or you in the comments section uh, try to tell people that, yeah, no, they want you to eat bugs. Um, they're getting rid of beef uh, because it's delicious and amazing and uh, makes you grow testosterone if you're male. Um, uh, they want to get rid of that, but instead they're going to make you eat bugs because it's more sustainable. Now, this is real, and look it. <laughs> Oh, look at what it says. It's the world's largest cricket farm, and it's in London, Ontario. And the massive facility will employ just 60 workers. So, awesome to add to the workforce. <clears throat> it will rely mostly on artificial intelligence technology that won the Developers Awards from the United Nations for Commitment to Sustainable Development Goals. Now, it gets better. Uh, Rebel did a really good job with this article, and they put in an Aspire that's the company. They put an Aspire video in here that we're going to watch, and it is jaw-dropping, really. And at the end, just a hint of a veiled threat. Just a hint. There's like a hint of a veiled threat. Is it? You know what? You decide if it's a veiled threat. I think it is. We're going to watch the video together. You guys let me know if you think it's a veiled threat, because I do. Um... Okay, so Canada is now home to the world's largest cricket farm, as construction firm Ellis Don announced on Twitter that development at Aspire Food Group's new plant in London, Ontario, was finished. The massive facility run by Aspire, which the CBC describes as a global industry leader in the production of edible insects, will generate 9,000 metric tons of crickets that can be consumed by humans and pets. Canadian Manufacturing reported. 
Oh, the world's largest cricket production facility is officially complete. Aspire Food Group's new plant in London, Ontario, is ready to produce 9,000 metric tons of crickets annually for human and pet consumption. Learn more here. Can you do cricket noises in the background? I don't know. Let's see. I might be able to. Um, I can do this one. And then they said they were going to make us eat bugs. And then I told them everyone wants to eat sustainable insects. <laughs> Actually, um, I know that those jokes probably got crickets. Yeah, so they gave me these dumb things. Yeah, but you know what? Okay, so it's funny, right? Um... Okay, uh, Josh says that his wife brought up the fact that John the Baptist ate locusts. Well, check it out, right? I don't care. I don't want to eat bugs at all. Now, if it was the only thing around and I had to, I would probably eat bugs, I guess. Also, locusts are like a giant grasshopper and they're kind of meaty. You know, like they're like a big, they're like a big old chicken wing kind of grasshopper thing so i don't know maybe that's different you know anyway the point is i'm not eating crickets i'm eating cows so and honestly this stuff needs to be resisted like this isn't even like a joke for me they want you to eat this trash right that's what they want they want you to eat this they want they want all the gourmet food for themselves and they want you to eat bugs that's what they want now, I mean, I, it's just what it is. It's just a fact. Anyway, it's a huge facility. I mean, and like, honestly, like the inside of this thing is technically amazing. Uh, but I'm, st I'm not going to do it. They can't make me. They've got orders filled for the next two years, it says. Um, now look at, oh, they've even um, gotten awards for uh their ai tech that they've designed uh, which uh, is from another thing which is from another company in ontario as well so yeah with food costs rising worldwide i wonder why the company hopes more consumers will purchase crickets as a cheap source of protein you know that's actually something we need to look into there is a giant list of food processing plants that have been burning down in the u.s over the last several months that's a weird thing to look into. We should definitely look into that together sometime. Maybe maybe I'll actually put in some effort and compile a list or find at least find the list somewhere, you know? <laughs> Hopefully I can do that. Um, today is like my first Saturday off in like a month. And uh, me and Nicole basically just hung out all day. And then I just laid on the floor while my uh, one-year-old like just crawled all over me and stuff. Because the other two kids are out today with someone else. Anyway. So didn't put in much effort. Not going to lie. I did mow the lawn finally because it dried up enough. So I did. I'm not completely useless today. But anyway, yeah, let's watch the crazy video. Let's watch the crazy Aspire video. Um, let's enlarge that. And I uh, bet you would not see them eating this poop at their swanky dinners. Yeah, only if it's for maximum pretentiousness to be like, look. Uh, don't have a cow, man. Oh, you, oh, look at, actually I can do it again. Josh said, take it easy. Don't have a cow. Ha. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, let's watch this video together guys. Oh, what's going on here? Let's do this. I like this one for videos. Cause I want you guys to be able to see me all the time. For uh, audio listeners, I've in I've shrunk down the video and am putting myself large. That's what's happening. In 2013, I was pursuing a joint. And again, remember, I think there's a little bit of a veiled threat at the end of this video. Let's listen. Green medicine as well as an MBA at McGill University. Two months into the program, I got an email that I didn't realize was going to change my life. This was actually an email that brought my attention to the Halt Prize, the world's largest business prize competition. 
In 2013, the problem was food insecurity. We started looking at this problem and looking at it from all dimensions until we came across an incredible insight. And that is that over 2 billion people already consume insects as part of a diet. So we thought to ourselves, what if we can come up with a way to farm insects on a year-round basis in a cost-effective way? I mean, look the at that. Judges look have at, selected look from McGill University Aspire. Uh, the Clinton Initiative uh, thinks this is a great company. So naturally, my disposition towards it is immediately negative, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, if Bill Clinton thinks it's good, uh, then I don't want anything to do with it, right? Uh, so Bill Clinton thinks Aspire is awesome, so I can't. We ultimately proceeded to defeat 20,000 teams from around the world and actually win the 2013 Hulk Prize. Come on. And that gave rise to our company, Aspire. Insects, compared mm -hmm. to any other form of livestock, oh, yeah, use yum. less land, yeah, you know less what? water. You know what? You referring to it as livestock doesn't make it livestock, man. These aren't like little chicken wings with like four legs crawling around on them, right? Or six, I guess, if they're insects, right? But like, yeah, you calling it livestock doesn't make it livestock to me. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't call it livestock. Stop it. Energy and produce a negligible amount of greenhouse gas emissions. They provide incredible mm. nutrition for those who experience Oh, yum. Security. Oh, and yeah. On the other hand, they happen to be tremendously sustainable for our planet. Oh, yeah. We devoted our resources to launching our beta facility. You know what else is sustainable? Grass. Let's just eat grass, right? What could go wrong? I mean, it's sustainable. It's everywhere. I got a ton of it outside. The most advanced, innovative insect farming technology in the world. You can literally copy and paste this farm anywhere in the world and ensure you're going to get the same yield and the same high quality product every single day. It is our belief Real quickly, I don't know what they're doing there. Freeze-drying them dead? I don't know. Um, so, here's my take on what the greatest farms ever would be. Um, basically, you would have um, a giant f field somewhere about a quarter of the density of an apple orchard, Okay. So you'd have apple trees, but it would be like a quarter of the density of an apple orchard. Or they, you know, there'd be sections of, of apple orchards all over these fields. And then you would just have herds of cows. Herds of cows everywhere. Uh, now, if you want to talk about natural terraforming, go look at a cattle rancher's farm yeah actually john thank you what a great point nebuchadnezzar ate grass it's also biblical so that's a great argument thank you i appreciate it so when you go to a farmer's when you go to a cattle rancher's land um look at the land uh, where they're not using the cows currently, but they do, or where they have them grazing, look at that area. It is always lush and green because of what cows do. Cows are a type of livestock that actually make the ground healthier and better. And what you would have is trees that are naturally benefiting in their fruit production from this now i could be wrong i, I i'm you know what i'm not an appleologist or anything so maybe i'm wrong about apples being in that close proximity but basically my point is with apple trees is that uh, they help retain soil because it's a tree that's deep rooted um, it doesn't allow the soil bed to erode right whereas uh the type of uh wheat farming corn farming cr just crop farming in general um 
allows for massive erosion because you have miles and miles of land that has no deep-seated roots to keep the soil bogged down, right? So now I don't know about the close proximity, but in my head, that's what I want. Look at See, look at Phoebe's telling us to eat dandelion, and that is like a legitimate thing. It's funny, right? Everything that's healthy for you is either a weed or, or poisonous or something, right? Now, I don't like dandelions on my lawn and everything, but I understand that they are, in fact, edible. So that is that is true. Uh, I'll post it for you guys. She says, eat dandelion, uh, this stuff, purslane, and other foraging plants. Excellent nutrition. I would rather forage for dandelions than eat crickets, for sure. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's listen real quick. So they're doing, they're baking them in the oven or something? I don't even know, man. That insect protein, given that it's already ah! widely consumed around the world, ah! it is food. And it yeah, in places where they either don't have cows or they think cows are sacred or something, right? So... <laughs> Why is that an argument? Well, two million people do it, so we should definitely make North America do it. Anyway, look at them! Look at them! Oh, okay. I gotta blow up the. I gotta blow up the picture, man. Look at that's a bowl of crickets. And look at just about every part of a cow can be consumed. You know what? I finally had a friend bring over uh, honey garlic meatballs made out of bison liver, and I ate them. And they were amazing. Uh, it did have that weird aftertaste, but I've literally been trying to force myself to try organ meat because I know how healthy it is for you. So anyway, uh, let's just dial it back, you know, like 10 seconds so we can get some context here. It is our belief that insect protein, given that it's already widely consumed around Come on, man! ...is food. And it will be... It is food. Part of our food culture that it's already Listen. widely consumed around the world. It is food. And it will be part of our food culture in the U.S., regardless of whether or not we are part of making that history a reality. So check it out. It's going to happen. You are going to eat bugs whether you like it or not. Um... Veiled threat? Kind of. He's basically saying it's inevitable. So, him, Muhammad, I think his name is, he's like, well, I'm getting on board because either way it's happening, whether we like it or not. That's basically what he said. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people eat them around the world. I want to, like, this is my point. Like, I understand that that's true. I understand that a lot of people eat them around the world. I don't care. And you, yeah, you said the same thing. I mean, I ain't going to eat them, but lots of people do. Go to McDonald's and order Cricket Burger. Honestly, if they, like, check it out, right? So, if they start selling, like, bug meat sandwiches at, uh, at like, fast food places, that might actually help me lose weight and save money because... There's not even a chance I'm eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's that's grilled on the same grill as a cricket burger. It's over for me. It's done. I'm over it. Doug thinks it Doug Thiessen thinks it's a veiled threat as well. So there's that. Doug, I need to message you after. Cause there was something you asked me to do a while ago and I forgot. Now, and this brings me. To another issue. Well, that's what I'm saying, Josh. That's literally what I said. You know what Josh says? He says, there's your first problem. You shouldn't be eating at McDonald's anyway, fatty. And uh, that's literally what I said. It would be a great deterrent from me going there. So anyway, um, yeah, I'd rather eat a cricket burger than Beyond Meat. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So the levels are like real meats, okay? It's all the way up here. And then like grass and then crickets, which is really low. And then beyond meat is below, like it's below the desk. Like there is no, I am not doing that. Um, so Phoebe, thankfully, I think they kill the crickets first. She's saying, I'm not eating something that's moving. 
I agree. I agree. I'm pretty sure they're already dead in most cases. Like, because you got to, like, press them into a patty shape, right? So it's going to be like... <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, uh, I am going to cover something biblical. And you know what? I know Josh is probably going to like this topic because I uh, I also talked to Cliff about it. And it, it made me chuckle. So, and I've talked about this before, I'm sure. But um, I just want to deal with some criticisms or some of the other interpretive views uh, that you'll see come up uh, dealing with eschatological issues. And so my position would argue for a, his literal historical grammatical view of the entire Bible. Uh, that is our hermeneutic for interpreting the Bible. That's basically the hermeneutic of the Protestant Reformation. But there are places where the hermeneutic changes. And uh, I disagree with that. And so, it's funny because this actually came up. This actually came up. You better have listened to the interview I sent you. I didn't. You know why? Because I don't want to. No, I'm just kidding. I I I'll listen to it, Josh. Anyway. What I was told on a recent trip is that the Jews weren't careful uh, with their numbers, they didn't talk about numbers the same way we did. Um, they weren't they they weren't as uh, precise with numbering things, and so that's how you can get these numbers and uses of numbers that don't actually mean something specific. Now, I was reading through First Chronicles, and something struck me: all the lists and details. Yeah, it wasn't you, that's for sure. Um, Josh says, who says that? Uh, it wasn't you, trust me. But so I was reading First Chronicles, and First Chronicles and Second Chronicles is just a long list of the history of Israel and Judah. Very detailed, specific, hyper-specific, detailed stuff about genealogies. But there's lists of items, there's numbers, uh, there's all kinds of numbers um, and examples just keep popping into my head of how the Jews were hyper specific when Moses is constructing the tabernacle. Everything is rigid. It has numbers. Everything is counted. Right. Um, another example. And I, I, I can't remember the number because this came to my this popped into my head as I was thinking about it. But there's a point when Jesus returns where his disciples catch a specific amount of fish and it says the exact number of fish. I bet you Josh will know that number. It's like 252 or something, but don't quote me on that. I can't remember the actual number, but the point is that's another hyper specific number. So when you get to revelation and you're dealing with 144,000, one of the, one of the, one of the critiques you'll hear, or one of, 153, thank you. I knew, he, I knew he'd knew it. I knew he'd know it. Say, Josh says it's 153 fish. So when you get to um, Revelation, which is a book of, which is a prophetic vision, um, these other views, once you get to the 144,000, that is not a specific list of people. It's not a specific number of people. It just means a large amount. And so one of my main, yeah, Josh says those are spiritual fish. 153 is actually divisible um, by six, by 17. It's not, but like, right. You know what I'm saying? So you get into these big, elaborate, ridiculous things. But anyway, back to the 144,000. I don't want to get distracted. Josh, you're distracting me. Stop it. So 144,000 is a very specific grouping of, of people. And it's from 12 tribes. But the tribes are different than the 12 tribes of Israel. Two of them are different. I'm not going to get into all of that. The point is, is that it is very, very detailed and hyper-specific. Next, um, if it just means a large amount of people, you will find that this, that's in Revelation 7. And then it, that's up to verse 8. After that, it moves into verse 9. And it is starting a new section. 
And what John says is, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. Anyway, the point is, now you've got a number of people that are uncountable to him. Now, this must be a massive amount of people that you cannot count, that he truly could not count. And yet he's been able to distinguish and see 144,000 people. Now, we move on. If you go to chapter 9, there's another very, very specific number. And sometimes you will hear that 144,000 means just a lot of people. And that they didn't have a way to describe this amount of people. Now, what's really interesting is... You get to that verse 9, it says myriads and myriads. Well, what does that mean? That means just a lot of people, right? So they did have a way of describing an uncountable amount. Now, as you get into chapter 9, and where is it? Oh, verse 16. Listen to this verse. It says, And the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. So they did have a number to describe an unbelievable amount of people. In fact, they knew how to count. Uh, John says he heard the number. That means that a heavenly being or something like that said the number out loud and he heard it and knew what it meant. And what it meant was 200 million. See, the Jews have actually always been very detailed oriented about numbers. Um, oh my goodness. How are the 144,000, the church and on earth when right after it references, references the church in heaven. So that is a different issue. And I agree with you now. And then <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> What do you got here? Speaking of not having a way of describing things, I don't have a way to describe the stupidity of these positions. I believe you meant the there, right? Anyway, I don't, I, it's not, it's not good. And so this comes from a very literal, uh, a very like, usually the men that teach these views of revelation are, are very, very good on other issues. Um, like one specific theologian who takes this kind of position deeply respect him on all sorts of issues, right? Oh, oh, I see. Um, no, you, you, uh, yeah, it's all good, Josh. Don't worry about it. Uh, there, it's fine. People can read the comments. Anyway, sorry. So, I I have massive respect for people that take these views. And I don't want to insult them and call it stupid. I just I feel like they're inconsistent on on this subject. And so, next week, what I want to do, um, when I'm going through anything biblical, is actually take a look at Second Thessalonians and take uh, another section of that and look at how they also. Uh, would make that not literal and not talking about a literal man of lawlessness, even though what I believe is clear um, is that Second Thessalonians, Paul is writing it to an audience that believes that they missed being gathered together by Jesus. Um, they believe they've missed it because of the persecution they're in. And then he describes what must take place um, and so if you're seeing these things, you haven't missed it. And so what is being described there is a pre-tribulation rapture, in my opinion. Um, and actually, Josh, I, you know, I know you're, you're still being sassy, but I think you nail it here. They're good when they utilize the hermeneutic they argue against on those issues. For the most, usually, they have the same hermeneutic as us, but they change it. Anyway, guys, I hope that that doesn't go over anyone's heads. If you have questions, private message me. Again, thank you if you donated. I really appreciate the help. Um, 
you know, we also have a new baby coming. And so I'm taking a week off work. We have money saved up. We have money coming. I'm trying to sell my motorcycle, which will fill our bank account way up. Uh, but yeah, if, if you want to help out, I would really appreciate it. And uh, guys, have a great night. Thanks a lot.